Hello and welcome to the 387th episode of The Crate and Crowbar, a podcast about gaming. On the night that we're recording this, it is Tuesday the 7th of December 2021. I'm Alex Wiltshire and tonight I'm joined by Tom Senior. Hello. Oh, my, my tongue. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong with the tongue? What's going on? It's getting confused. Oh, dear. I'll tell you what it's confused about, Tom. Mm. Uh, it's confused about something you talked about last pod, last time you were on the pod. Yeah. Uh, Radiohead's Amnesiac. In fact, I don't even know how you pronounce it, but Amnesiac free inv- game thing. Immersive oh. sort of visual, audiovisual album thing. Made Ex- of, experience experience made of scraps and f- full songs from a couple of radio's albums i think i think it's awesome and i think you do too i do i like it very much but i'm also really confused by it um mm. did you have you seen the qr codes that you see kind of um distributed around on walls and things in different rooms yeah i did see those i i, I couldn't be bothered to reach my phone to actually snap them um are they kind of like weird easter eggs or something <laughs> well, can't no. <laughs> yes, also no. They um they're links to um to the the Radiohead uh um uh, 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 sort of merch website. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, free game on the surface. But here, it, the microtransactions. Uh, that's obviously what they're going for. It is. It's absolutely been, and, and I just don't, I just don't really know what they're getting at because um, like. They're not. Uh, they're not evidently satirical. Mm. They're not evidently making fun of or questioning rampant consumerism, um, and they are just products. <laughs> I mean, they're cool looking, like a set of five greetings cards with a bit of Radiohead art on the front there. The twenty twenty two calendar, <laughs> a holographic sticker set. An embroidered patch set, an enamel pin set, lots of sets, cross-stitch patch set, um, a letter set, transfer alphabet. I mean, it's all class. It, it, I mean, it is classy. Do like, these the, the products actually exist? Well, this is it. Maybe they don't. You kind of buy them and then actually, yeah, you just sort of, you know, you kind of get a, some sort of sternly worded email from Tom York saying, what the fuck are you doing? You're destroying the earth. You're kind <laughs> of, you're betraying your, you know, the, the, the beauty of your humanity. By well, one entering. day sometime in the future, like a member of Radiohead buzzes your door and then gives you a kiss, a kiss on the forehead and then vanishes into the fog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind um, of feels but, like, like what you described, it sounds like some sort of joke, but I, I, I guess you, you can't see the angle really. I, I can't imagine. Well, that. I can clar- clarify that the letter set set, which is the font that you see on the cover of the album and stuff, it's classy shit. Mm. 50 pounds, that is. Whoa. Uh, limited run of 100 of them sold out. Completely They're already sold, sold out. out. Yeah. But, All gone. But it works then. The, uh, but you can still again. pre-order the um, the cross-stitch designs. So that's good. Kind of kid A amnesiac cross-stitch is an inherently funny object. <laughs> yeah, I know. God. But also, like, these are all pre-order products as well. Like, they're not mm. made yet. This is like, it, it's in the same kind of economy as um, the Kickstarter world and kind of just the, just the you know, Can't buy the thing before products. you even get to touch it or understand whether, you know, get read any reviews or anything. 
God, it's absolutely bizarre. I mean, you know, at least it explains how the kind of the experience that, you know, you download and, and play exists, like that it's this sort of basically just a, um, a sales tool because that thing is big and like it must be expensive to make and you know it's so elaborate it's as well elaborate like, yeah and like it's full of like music like it's their music that you'd normally buy in yeah, some form. yeah absolutely bananas i suppose this is i mean i, I don't think i'm questioning it <laughs> I, I mean i sound like i am but i suppose i mean it's 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 probably good i mean it's better than lots of other things it's it's better than the fact that Radiohead were also you know put in um, the skins of in um, in Fortnite. <laughs> were they? Yeah, that little bear thing. You know the, the you know the bear character. They oh, the amnesiac bear. Yeah, the, in the artwork. I thought it was an actual movies of Radiohead. Yeah, there's like, little Tom York running <laughs> about. Really I mean, I would buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody would. Everybody in Fortnite would just be Tom York. That'd be like, oh, imagine how much they could charge for that. That'd be so good. <laughs> It's a weird, uh, it's a, that's a very strange clash. It's almost like, I guess we need to monetize this somehow. Yeah. So what's the kind of oddest way, way that we could do it? Like, sell the music? Nah, let's sell cross stitch instead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I must have assumed that it was like some sort of unreal, you know, some sort of epic based sort of thing where they just want to promote unreal engine or something hmm. like that because it was also it's like on pc that it's free on um unreal um uh, the, the, um, the epic game store isn't it yeah it's free on the ps5 as well yeah uh, it's, it's, it's quite an odd thing to drop onto the store as well and it's i think it feels like a prestigious really nicely made thing and i think i said on the last pod that uh of the kind of types of thing that have existed before this is one of the most polished and elaborate and uh effective i think in terms of you know what have you occupied the uh the audio universe in strange abstract ways yeah um and i think it does it does hit that point so i, I really enjoyed it but it's very funny i, I did not notice the uh the, the clever uh monetization which, <laughs> which also does require you to scan a qr code on your computer screen <laughs> which is also really i wonder how many people have done that i wonder what their click-through rates are on that side. enough to sell electroset 100 electrosets. yeah lots of electrosets i guess if you're that into <laughs> the band and you really love it that much maybe that you're the sort of you know the sort of person who might do that i don't know that's fun though <laughs> i didn't know that about it have you seen the um that there's a matrix one coming too yeah it's an ex- another experience uh more eggs there was some hyperbole around it i can't remember the precise wording but it did suggest it might change game narratives forever which is um the sort of thing that makes me just obviously if Obviously, it won't. But <laughs> the, the sheer gall of it, uh, and I think all of the release so far is just a close-up of a, I think, a digital rendering of Keanu Reeves' face, which was admittedly impressive, and also does kind of feed into the narrative that Keanu Reeves does want to become a digital entity ultimately. Like as he <laughs> as he evolves into his final form, he will become some sort of Zordon figure who exists in, in, as a ghost in the machine. Um, and it's a, it's a good, it's a cool idea to tie in with the Matrix. And to me, the Matrix always deserve better games uh, yeah. this isn't going to be a game that like in any sense it's probably going to be like look around Keanu Reeves flat yeah um, then a mirror does something weird I mean it's probably going to be that level of stuff uh but it felt like that universe was almost so video gamey in its conception that it deserved a really good kind of third person fighting game or something and there, there were versions of that on the PS2 and stuff but for me they all fell a bit short did you play um enter enter the matrix is that the MMO they did or was that the? I think it's the adversaries. absurdly ambitious um, PS2 era. Game. I think, I, think I played that one. 
I think I have played that one. Yeah. It's not basically a tour of the fights that you see in the game almost, isn't it? Or is yeah, it but one... it was meant to be, it's like, it was meant to be uh, part of the story, like an explicit part of yeah. the arc of the Matrix kind of story. It followed Naomi, I think, didn't it? Which was yeah. kind of a, a, one of the characters, part of the crew, who wasn't, didn't get much screen time, but it kind of spun out her story into a whole game series. Yeah. Which is a cool idea. But it wasn't a very good game. <laughs> very good, though, unfortunately. There's some good... I, I will try and, I'll try and dredge them up for the um, show notes, but there were some good uh, articles about the total car crash that was the development of that game. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that sounds... I would read that, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> well, hey, um, what have you been playing? I've been playing a game called Solar Ash from Heart Machine, the developers of Hyperlight Drifter. Oh, like, yes. A colourful uh, game. The, the colourful game. And they both have very similar colour palettes, actually. A kind of oh, jade green and uh, electric pink combo is pretty much is the, is the, the type of colour relationship you see throughout Hyperlight Drifter and this game as well. Hyperlight Drifter was a kind of top-down uh, action adventure, which is like a very combat-focused game. Very difficult one, actually, um, which required lots of dodging and you know precise attack uh, timings in order to progress in a mysterious pixelated world uh, full of like giant god machines uh, looming in the background as you kind of die repeatedly trying to traverse these areas it was very cool uh, very enigmatic and beautiful as well um, and uh, I really liked it yeah me too um, Solar Ash is kind of has a lot of similar some of the similar visual ideas um, but it's instead a game about skating across the landscape, a giant 3D landscapes, uh, very open environments. And you basically have to find, it's quite repetitive, you have to skate across the landscape until you find uh, little gooey pockets. And then you have to race across these gooey pockets, which the, the, if you spend too much time touching them, they turn bright red and instantly kill you. Uh, which mm. is unfortunate and quite irritating. Uh, <laughs> in order to stay alive, if we set the timer on the goo uh, that is about to kill you in 10 seconds, you have to hit these vials that appear, uh, and you don't know where the next vial's going to be until you've hit the first one. Um, Tom, I don't like quite the sound of that. Uh, it's also quite annoying, unfortunately. <laughs> um, just because if it was if it was absolutely seamless and it, it was impossible to mess up, which it almost is, to be honest, it would be fine, but instantly dying and being reset and then having to go back to a thing... I'd, the idea that there's a kind of 3D structure and parts that are covered in goo, and you don't know where the start—you know where the start is, but you don't know where the end is or what convoluted route around it's going to take until you get to the final node, which is always this—the eye, this red eye that comes out of the goo. You stab it, the goo disappears, you win. Good, um, but you have to do that a lot of times. Um, and apart from that, uh, once you've done the, uh, a few of those, the area's kind of boss monster pops out, and it's kind of. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus style thing we have to go onto its back skate around hitting more of these vials while the the creature does exactly the same thing the goo does it very quickly gets very hot and then you instantly die um, <laughs> and apart from that you, you, there are sort of casks caskets to find in certain corners of the area there's lots of um, sort of pink hovering globs everywhere that you pick up and if you get enough of them you get to an extra armor point for your suit um, and Screenshots beautifully and it looks amazing when you see videos. The reason why I posted it up was because I saw videos. It's like, wow, look at how fast you move and look at how fluid this thing is. But the framework is really, really tedious. <laughs> it's really boring. Um, and there's a, there's a story like it, initially, like it's a really cool setup. You play as a character, I think, uh, called Ray, who is uh, a very awesome opening moment. Is standing on an asteroid in space next to a black hole, 
and then she latches onto a passing asteroid and gets sucked into it. Uh, and she's a void runner, and her job is to go into the black hole, which has swallowed up uh, many different worlds, and has to kind of like uh, dig out this beacon that is sucking her planet into the black hole from inside the hole itself. Um, so the worlds within are these mashed up environments that are kind of uh, held together by this blue cloud, but often land masses that are arranged in arcane ways uh, with convenient kind of skater pathways across them. Very cool to look at. Really, really nice kind of atmosphere to it. Um, but then, like, you do have to do things in the game. <laughs> and, uh, the actual skating uh, and the boost mechanics and the, the lassoing uh, off kind of like hovering uh, grapple points, all that stuff just works because it works in every game that has that stuff um, if it's well executed. I was talking uh, yeah. recently about Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart uh, and how uh, Insomniac basically put all of the movement mechanics that they understand work and are fun into one game, and sort of then you get to chain them uh, together in sort of parkour sequences that lead you around these uh, amazing environments, and it works like it is fun, and it's a kind of low friction way to have a, a very cinematic time, a very a time where you you can focus a lot on the spectacle without having to worry too much about what your character is doing. Um, so it's, it's a very effective way to showcase the world, but it can't really be the only thing you do, I think, uh, unless there has to be something else. So there has to be a, it's a gripping story to it, or um, to be honest, like a, a, an even more interesting aesthetic. Like the colour palette for the thing is very, very consistent. I think we're about halfway through it. All the areas kind of are structured differently and have different themes, but they basically feel look and feel the same to move around. Um, so what you're left with is something that kind of felt like a beautiful piece of concept art and a beautiful kind of initial demo that hasn't quite been fleshed out into something that's consistently interesting for more than about 90 minutes yeah, um, it sounds it sounds like the goo thing is like something that you'd find almost in like an like a mario game that would be you'd play for a couple of levels and right, then it would just and leave discard. it behind yeah 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 i think actually that's a pretty good shout because maybe the, yeah if one area had that and then one area area had one of these big monsters and then each level used those amazing really exciting feeling traversal mechanics to do other things uh to accomplish different objectives then i think that would that would do a lot to help it um I, it feels as though i'm just kind of already in this rote rhythm with the thing uh that is is it's kind of like a bit disappointing and i think i've been more negative than almost everything i've read about the game unfortunately so uh i, I don't I apologize to like if i'd be too mean to it but i don't know like it's something i would probably pick up for like a tenner if i wanted something pretty to look at on a sunday for a couple of hours but i don't think i'm going to finish it um mm. unfortunately because i think it's, it's kind of uh, a lot of reviewers talking about how um frictionless it is and that's like a very deliberate choice the movement systems are really really frictionless it's very i was going to ask you how it felt because 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 um that's something i really enjoyed about um hyperlight drifter it was um the feel of movement was really good yeah, it feels really nice. I think uh, in combat, um, it feels imprecise because there isn't like a very precise dodge type uh, activity. But essentially, you've got this launching dash. So you, if you press the right uh, trigger, you can like, explode forwards at massive distance. And if you kind of mash the attack button while you're thrusting it towards enemies, you, you could basically take them out. They're not actually. They're not. Um, if you if you really enjoyed Hyperlight Drifter, this is not a combat game uh, in that vein at all. Like the enemies. Are really easy to solve there's no particular like attack patterns you really have to worry about uh, occasionally there might be some on the walls that's going to snipe you for a distance but it's, it's trivial to get to them and a, a few slashes uh, typical slashes will just take them out and so it's that they're they're sort of there to uh, i don't actually don't know why they're there really um <laughs> try and offer some sort of some sort of uh, novelty 
as you go around the area. So it's something to think about as you're you're going towards the next kind of like sludge patch. So um, what do you do, like, apart from finding the next sludge patch, like, what are you thinking about when you're kind of in the bits between? Are you meant to be kind of enjoying the environments or something? Yeah, or? I think you're meant to be enjoying the environments and looking for the next sort of ramp up somewhere, uh, looking for like a glowing blue little spike of lights that is is one of these caskets that lets you unlock a, a piece of armour. Um, and you have to get five of them, and and I, you, I really can't be bothered to find them. <laughs> so I, I'll find two just because I happen to cross them, but I'm not going to hunt around these areas. Then the areas themselves aren't that interesting. Beyond like, they look very nice as you're passing through them very quickly, uh, but there's nothing particularly interesting about them apart from that. It's actually the faster I move through the game, the more you know, happier I feel. If I ever had to stay and look around a place, I'm like, well. <laughs> It sort of looks pretty on the surface, but isn't that isn't interesting? Like, yeah. the, there's something like about just geometry and the way that you feel, like the way that places can surround you and lead you through you know, closed and open environments that this doesn't really have. It just feels like you, you can't just like plop some ruins on a map um, and then zoom through them and then think that that's some sort of you know that's interesting texture yeah, like, to, oh, look, look, this place doesn't have a history okay bye <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like as you stop and look at it it's, it's, there's nothing to be seen like. Uh, maybe that's harsh, but I, I think the reason is because I felt so understimulated by the, the, the rhythm of the game and the particular tasks at hand um, that I, I went looking for something else somewhere. <laughs> like, uh, and even in the soundtrack, which is occasionally very nice, it's often quite, quite, it often isn't there really. Um, there's a, a couple of very uh, repetitive themes that come in when you're fighting big bosses and stuff uh, that quickly sort of become old, and it, it, it kind of misses the mark for me. If it's going to be this kind of skating experience um there are just like it feels like it has to be purely that and it's something more exciting uh, I, I just come back to the, I, for some reason i think of thumper which is a very very different game but um thumper is an inc- extremely simple game with very simple commands mm. but the sheer power of the environment and the soundtrack is is transcendent for that game like it, it makes it this crazy horror experience that is really unexpected and that's because it creates loads of interest and novelty and, uh, and uh sort of visual friction audio friction outside of the the main um mechanics of the thing if you if you're just on a, on a completely like white box level <laughs> with no skybox that thing doesn't work like you, you're just sort of pressing left right left bumper right bumper um, but they generate enough interest outside of the pure mechanics to make it cool, and that feels like Solar Ash needs that more of that. Like uh, your idea of having those traversal uh, mechanics applied to stuff other than the goo thing is <laughs> precisely what it needs, I think. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd, I'd never, have, yeah, I, you know, from an outside, I've never have, have made a link with um, with uh, um... oh my god, you just said the name of the game. <laughs> yeah, Thumbs game. Oh, the thumper. Thumper. Yeah. Yeah. It's. it's it, I mean it not to like compare it in a, like aesthetically or or anything like that, but it's a way of putting simple traversal mechanics and almost exactly. rhythm traversal mechanics into a very interesting context that makes it fascinating from start it to finish. Gives meaning to 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 something actually with you're doing very repetitive things. Yeah. 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 Exactly right. Um, and yeah, as it, yeah, just on that level, I think like uh, Solrush is missing something for me that it's just not quite. It's not quite. Um, mm, not tasty enough really there's nothing to get stuck into with it uh and it's so it's a, a kind of a frivolous fun thing if you like the idea of the skating but i, I don't think i quite recommend it are you um like how does it what does it feel like i mean is this sort of does it feel like difficult second album or does it feel like you know an experiment that that took a certain course you know what what does it feel like perhaps the latter like perhaps a tech demo that felt amazing but then didn't get to final 
you know, a, a stage of, I don't know, it's, it's hard to speculate about these things, but it feels like a completely different game mechanically. Like it doesn't, so I think it was initially intended to be a sequel. It doesn't feel like Hyperlight Drifter at all. Um, even though they're kind of like some surface level similarities in art style and stuff, it really doesn't feel like the, all the stuff that made Hyperlight Drifter kind of fascinating and difficult and difficult and, uh, the ambiguity of its storytelling and the way that just with 2d pixel art, it, it was very evocative as well and mysterious. Um, this just has just lacks all of that for me. Yeah. That's a shame. Cause I it it did have like, I think, um, that first trailer they showed maybe two years ago, maybe mm. more like that was, you'd think, ah, oh, they're going to do it again, but look now it's in 3d and now they've got probably got more budgets. It's going to be one to watch. It's a shame. Hmm. Yep. I yeah. I, I dislike bringing up games just to rag on them, but I think like again, like you, I felt that I was like, saw that. Oh wow, it's from it's from Harpsheen. This is this could be awesome. I love Hyperlight Drifter, uh, but is it, maybe it's just going for a totally different crowd as well. Like it is a like a big budget release that was all over the front pages of the PlayStation Store when I picked it up, and the art looks amazing, and it, and it does sell itself literally because that's why I bought it. Um, so yeah, maybe they're, just, they're trying to go for a different type of experience. Well, they obviously are because it is a completely different type of experience. I like, um, and uh, I can't. I don't want to be the guy who's just like I just want a sequel to Hyperlight. Like. <laughs> well, I kind of do. <laughs> kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing, Alex? Been playing a fu- funny old thing. I've been playing Dungeon Encounters. Have mm. you come across it? No, I haven't. Um. So it's um. It's a. It's a. It's a, it's the most bare bones Japanese RPG that you could possibly make. Um, so it's a, uh, I said, so it's JRPG in the sense that it's, uh, produced by a, a Japanese team headed by Hiroyuki, um, Ito, who, um, who worked on various amazing, um, you know, sort of landmark, uh, Japanese RPGs like the Final Fantasy series, Final Fantasy Tactics, oh. all those kinds of things. Um, uh, this game is very different um, in the sense that you you walk around a dungeon which is just a grid, like a, <laughs> I'm a, looking at a labyrinthine <laughs> kind of grid of squares, mm. um, and the only features in these labyrinths of squares are um, alphanumeric letter combinations. <laughs> some white, uh, some black. Uh, the black ones are monsters and the white mm. ones are things like healing fountains and resurrection shrines and shops uh, and things like that. Um, and when you fill a square, uh, you get this little boom noise and... Um, and you see the sort of like a, a count fill up at the bottom left corner. You've got the total number of squares that you've walked over and, you know, uh, you know, filled in, in, in total across the whole game. And at the top left corner, uh, you've got um, the number of squares to fill in, in, in the particular floor of the dungeon you're in right now. Um, aside from that, uh, your character is 3D, <coughs> but sort of like just walking completely in this abstract space um it, your 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 character is a party of four but uh the lead character as you you see is 3d um there will be a little sound like the, there's like ambient sounds kind of that that match the the scene that you're in so the first few levels uh first few floors are kind of a dank sounding dungeon 
So um, the sort of dripping sounds and, and whistling wind and that kind of thing. Uh, soon you go into a grassland. So you get this sort of wonderful kind of kind of breeze sounds and kind of uh, just rustling grass and stuff. Um, company that you kind of get this sort of the backdrop when you're in the kind of first few levels is kind of uh, inky stained kind of nice kind of understated inky stained kind of map background sort of thing you know parchmenty thing uh, once you get into the grass you get these kind of it's a sort of greenish um, there's kind of like light rays coming down and these kind of little kind of bits of grass kind of just sort of gently waft across the screen so you kind of weirdly enough like if it, it's very atmospheric mm. but completely in this abstract thing it's fucking awesome <laughs> this is quite I, i'm looking at pictures of it now this is a brave <laughs> brave art direction that it really is these dungeons. i have no idea how this book got signed off i have no mm. idea um because it is really brave and it is a project about totally stripping back um the the, the tenants of jrpg uh, jrpg design to the basics so you are thinking about your party and when you ought to go back to um to, to kind of heal up you know to sort of to sort to sort shit out to go to shops to to heal up and those kinds of things um and you're thinking about battle strategies all the time um mm. uh and the battles and just the the game the design of the battles each individual element of the battle design is will sound boring. It's just, but in concert, they make a system which sustains. I mean, I've played about eight hours now of battle after battle after mm. filling squares and after battle and healing up and a battle, and I'm still playing and I want to play more. Like, wow. So, uh, there's some really interesting things about the, the design. So um, one of them is that um, uh, um, each character, each of your each of your um, party members, has uh, two defense gauges or two two defense stats, okay, uh, and health stat. Uh, one of the health stats is for physical damage, and the other health stat uh, stat is for um, for for uh, magical damage. There's no elements in this. There's no fire magic or water magic or wind magic or whatever. It's just magic or physical damage. Um, and these, the, the two gauges uh, on them uh, against um, physical and magical damage, um, they're like a shield. Um, uh, so that when an enemy hits you uh, with a physical attack, um, it will t take damage off that shield. And mm. that shield is totally... Uh, um, uh, regenerated after battle so you are able to stay in the dungeon uh as long as your health as long as you can keep your shield up and therefore not get your uh, avoid getting your health damaged you can just stay down indefinitely that's supported by the fact that when you use magic it doesn't use mana there's no mana nothing at all so mm. essentially your characters are um three gauges um, the health gauge is um, is the thing that can can be tricky to um, to to to, uh, uh, to, to uh, get back again. That's because there are no hope health potions, um, nothing like that. There I, there is an ability to to heal um, characters up during a battle, which I have unlocked. Um, 
um, but that only has four charges. And that is one of the very few, the, the, the abilities are one of the very few things that have charges to them. So you've got mm. this health thing you ought to be thinking about, and you've, but actually your health is, is kind of low so that in many cases, when you're fighting and, uh, creatures that are the, of around the same level as you, if they do get through to your health, um, you know, get through your defenses, they will probably kill you. You know, if you lose some health, you're likely to lose all your health, unless you're mm. fighting kind of lower, sort of lower class enemies, in which case you'll be probably fine. So there's this, um, these abilities that you're thinking about and you'll need to recharge them now and then. Um, it's actually a real hassle to retrack your steps. Um, but the way, it, uh, this game, it's just, uh, so, so the, uh, you're walking through these, these labyrinths, um, and, and you do have to backtrack. You have to walk all the way back again. Um, enemies, uh, get restocked, um, every time you, uh, re-enter a, a, a floor, um, so you'll probably have to battle stuff on the way back up if you're trying to, if you, if you need to go back to the shops and things, um, you will have to go a long way. It takes a long time. Um, but luckily you can actually just put the move speed really high and you just <laughs> hold down the cursor keys. You just like, you just hold, you know, the cursor keys. It has like Pac-Man style controls in the sense that, um, that you move really, really quickly in a straight line, zoom straight along these squares. Um, if you hold, if you're going kind of uh, left, if you hold down up, you'll take the first up route that, that comes along. Mm. So you're just zooming on through the, the dungeon. Like it's, it's good. And you just, and you know, it's a long way, but there are little ways uh, that the, that the game kind of gives you little glimpses of making it a little bit easier. So for example, um, you uh, uh, sort of reasonably early on, you will unlock an ability which uh, allows you to move up a floor to the, the same grid location that you're currently on. Um, the, the ability will only work if there is actually an open uh, bit of dungeon floor at that location. So, so yes, if you're lucky, <laughs> you can kind of go, yeah, right. we've gone up a whole floor. But usually in, 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 in kind of practice, uh, you're kind of like scooting around, just trying out in places to see whether you can find some floor above. But, and that would, that sounds really annoying, but, um, I keep discovering things like new abilities that it gives you, which alleviate irritations in the UI. Uh, so for example, another thing is that when you start the game, the view uh, doesn't allow you to see an awful, uh, very far in the, um, around you so that you can't really see that whether this labyrinthine kind of offshoot that you decided to go down, you know, if you're de desperate to find something useful, like maybe there's, there's a, a shrine nearby, um, you know, uh, you can kind of, uh, you know, you, you better see it and you'll know that it's worth going down there. At least it might be worth fighting that monster that's in the way kind of thing. Um, at, at, at some point, you will unlock an ability which zooms the view, the view out. Suddenly now you can see more. And it's like, that's a whole chunk of kind of like friction that it's placed in my way and I've kind of learned to get around. And now it's going, right, okay, don't have to worry about that anymore. But now there'll be other layers of things you're thinking about. Um, because, you know, at that point, it's also kind of opened up the number of different weapons you've got. Like you've got spells which are able to affect all the enemies at once. You've got flying enemies, which um, 
sword attacks won't affect at all because because uh, you, you can only hit them with magic or range damage. Um, you're thinking about uh, um, some of the 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 kind of equipping your your um, your party with with different kind of amulets and kind of things like that, which, which kind of increase damage and that kind of thing. But you have such a small number of slots, uh, you know, for your equipment and things. And so you're really thinking hard about the kind of party that you're, that you want to give like um, the, the, the magical, because you're the magical shield and the physical shield that will come out of the clothes that you wear hats oh, right. usually for the, the magic and kind of, you know, sort of armor and things for the, um, for physical. Um and like so it it always it it's so so far the number of things that it wants you to be concentrating on and just really thinking about like is a sort of like a fairly small list, but it gets richer and richer and richer as it comes on and as soon as it introduces something new, which comes really subtly you don't feel that it's kind of like oh and now it's time to do the thing it just comes really organically and um but then you suddenly realize oh it's not, I'm not having to do that anymore that's really interesting it's so fucking smart. I, that's crazy when you describe stuff like um not being able to see quite far, far enough and then an upgrade kind of unlocking the ability to see far enough that feels like such a like that i find based on the description i would find that excruciating like <laughs> it would be like uh, this, this, the game has chosen to impose such a kind of arbitrary limit on yeah. what i can see on the in, the in the space that just having to sort of unlock the ability to overcome that just feels like it nonsense progress <laughs> if it, it, you, you can see quite far enough like it beforehand mm. you don't feel that it's constrained like there was actually a, no i did look in the mirror i do remember looking in the um the settings to see oh like can i zoom the view out a bit mm. and i didn't really get that it was actually part of the game's design or you know mm. and then suddenly realized that oh no that is part of it's part of the game that's what that's a really intentional thing and yeah. it, it wasn't that it was annoying it's that oh i think i can get an advantage if if i could see further and then it gives you, and then like, oh, now you've got an ability that allows you to do that. But the abilities, um, they all depend on, um, I think, uh, adventure points, or oh, it's a special currency which unlocks over time as you uh, as you fill, as you sort of fill more squares, as you adventure more, if you as, as you kind of go further, um, you'll get more of these kind of adventure points, whatever they're called, which allow you to, to and because each of the abilities has a adventure point cost. So you're equipping a certain loadout. And I've got now more things, more abilities than I can actually uh, mm. um, equip at the moment. So I'm having to make choices over what what I want, like what what is the game I want to play there. It's really in, uh, like, yeah, it really, um, I think that, that, that um, Hiroyuki Ito, the, the kind of like the, the kind of lead behind this, um, he has a really, like he said something interesting in an interview because he also was behind um, Final Fantasy twelve, and Final Fantasy twelve, oh. of course, is the game in which you program your party. Yeah. Um, which again, like, what a what an absolutely kind of visionary thing to do because it mm. is what you're doing during Final Fantasy seven, Final Fantasy six, whatever. You know, you are basically doing little processes, routines. Mm. Like you figured out that uh, that enemy. It's um, susceptible to fire, so I'll be using the fire spell then. And so it's these if-then statements that you're doing kind of naturally, you know, and manually. And Final Fantasy XII said, hey, don't have to do it manually anymore. Invent Mm. your little program and and you program it in and, you know, and just like stunning. Like I was fascinated by that first time I heard about it, you know, when it came out. 
Um, so he was behind this and it's evident that he is really interested in in this stuff. So it, he said in an interview, and I'll, we'll put, the, put the, uh, the link for this in the show notes, but he said that the basic um, design for battles in this is something that allows the players to do the following repeatedly. Like information that you see on the screen goes towards a prediction. So like, if I do that, then maybe I'll be able to clear it, which goes to an execution. So the player tests the strategy they came up with, which then goes into results. Like if mm. it all goes well, if things turn out okay, then then great. And if not, then they can rethink the strategy. Like both, he says that both titles, so that's um, Dungeon Encounters and Final Fantasy XII, were, were, create, were created based on this. So they don't have a causal relationship where one inspired the other, but they're kind of like the same reflection of this sort of testing of theory and things. And like, yeah, I totally see that in um, Dungeon Encounters as well. Like, you know, the, the, uh, it, it's very, the battles are very much based on the active time system, which Ito designed back for <laughs> Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy V. I think mm. he came up with that original design where you've got the, uh, a counter, um, uh, like a gauge filling for all the character, all, all the characters, all the enemies and your characters based on their, their speed stat. Um, and so you're waiting for them to be able to take that turn. So you're, battles are kind of real time while also being turn-based. So these battles in Dungeons and Counters are exactly uh, based on that. So you're constantly watching the gauges and thinking, right, I'm going to attack that one first. And then by the time the other one's about to attack me, those my these characters will be ready to attack that and then they won't be able to, you know, blocking hits by removing threats. Man, Tom, it's such sounds, a good game. It's such delicious. It's just, yeah, like, and it's just so spare and so kind of, um, it just wants you, yeah, to think about one thing. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. into this. <laughs> it's interesting. The tactics games were very extremely crunchy, stat-driven, you know, adjacency bonuses and lots of, you know, just actually loads and loads of information. Yeah. Uh, whereas it feels like this is just kind of, just gives you some essential information that, that with interesting ways to use it in yeah. a, a very sparse environment. Yeah. Which is, I mean, pretty but then again, to do right. it like every, every 10 seconds, like every 15 <laughs> seconds. And, it, and like, it, yeah, it stays hours. interesting for, for eight hours or so. Yeah. Many... Oh, and the other thing I was going to say, like the power curve is just like, you know, it is like one of those ones where you've got a, you know, your attack is a hundred and then mm. the next weapon, like, now your attacks are six, 600. It's like, oh my fucking God, yes. Yes, yes. And it means numbers. you completely, suddenly stuff that was threatening is completely, like, arbitrary. But, you know, of course it's balanced, and the enemies you're attacking, you know, are now commensurately, commens- commensuratively, commensurately, comm- they're also threatening. But it's... Ah... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, oh my god! And there are there are so many other things. There are riddles <laughs> that you come across. So I, I mentioned before how what, on the on the grid. <laughs> so I mentioned before that um, that when you're going around, like the only things that you see are um, these alphanumeric numeric, um, num- numbers or like you know uh, codes, two letters, two two character codes on the ground, and um, white ones are like, and you learn that like zero one, that's the one for the down the stairs that go downwards. And hmm. zero two are the ones for the stairs to go upwards, and you sort of learn this stuff. And there's actually in the menu there's a there is a list of all the most recent iterations of the the things that you'll find um, in the dungeon, and um, uh, um, 
there are also um, these riddles and they are all around the 30s. Like 30 was the first one I think I found and 31, 32. So it's because it goes up sort of um, hexadecimally. Mm. Um, and um, the riddles <laughs> will be when you look, when you examine them uh, in the menu, it, it'll be like a sequence of numbers with some missing and then it was, then it'll have X, Y, Z, or like, it'll, you know, A, no, A, B, C. Okay. And then below it'll say A, B, C equals X, Y, Z. Now you quickly realize that X and Y, like the, uh, the, uh, the map coordinates, and you can always see the map coordinates at the top of the screen. So the riddles are basically uh, are taking you to map location, like grid locations, if you can solve the riddle. <laughs> And so, like, it just seems so arbitrary and seems so kind of slight, but like you go, oh, yes, I've, I've got to go to that place. And so you go up a couple of floors and you go there and you find this kind of, you know, amazing weapon that you've not tried out before. And like, yeah, no, that was really worth it. Um, but there are also these much more um, organic and kind of um, uh, um, uh, system uh, systemic um, kind of little quests that you find yourself going on. Um, so when you, you can only have um, four characters in your party. Um, and when somebody is KO'd, um, you, uh, you can leave them behind at that location. Um, uh, but you could only pick characters up where they were left. Mm. Um, so, so if you left somebody on the sixth floor at, at um, location sort of X, 63 y 42 um they will stay there and you actually got a list of where this great big group of kind of npcs long list of npcs and where they are some of them are called wandering and you don't know where they are and you will discover them over time where they are and some of them like are really powerful really high level um there's one who is a cat and he's called sir cat so that's you know like so i'm gonna be fucking hunting that guy out absolutely um and um uh and um and but, but sometimes you're uh you can be petrified um and if a character is petrified turned to stone um you can't move with them anymore because they can't move they're mm. turned to stone so you have to leave them where they are and you have to go off and just leave them behind and you may well have kind of you know they might be quite high level and you may not have any characters uh that you can easily access kind of maybe at the start of the game or they might be just distributed all over the fucking dungeon where you've just left them or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you are going to have to find what's called a Gorgon's altar. I think it's called a Gorgon's altar, Gorgon something or other. And that, uh, when you use it, when you go to it and use it, allows you to uh, um, cure a petrified character at a given map location. So you have to, rem you know, you go in your list and you note where they are and then put that in the thing and then now they're, now that you can pick them up so you can now go back to them and pick them up again and and i got totally fucked up i lost like i I lost four three characters to petrified um i had um uh um and i had um one character ko'd like and, and the only reason i was able to restart was that i had characters still on the first level i now have no characters on the first level and that i understand now means that if i die then the whole game is over <laughs> whoa so i'm gonna i have to be really careful and it means that there is a real sense of threat like it 
it feels like a padded threat in the fact that, in the sense that I can run from en- enemy uh, from 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 battles, and they uh, and you know I can kind of play it carefully, and I can maybe move characters around so that, and train them up so they're going to be powerful. But there's like yeah, the, I had to embark on this mission of saving a bunch of characters because I'd left them all t- t- petrified across the dungeon, and like that was just systemic, just emerged. You know, emerged from the from these simple rules about kind of petrification and, and ko and and just things being consistent. Like when you leave something somewhere, they they're left there forever. I'll stop banging on now. It's really it interesting game. Great. It sounds fascinating, and I do have to reiterate that the game functionally looks like uh, a crossword grid has been mapped onto a flat piece of artwork. That's, that's the way to say it. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> that, that is yeah. what this thing looks like. So to, for so much complexity and uh, sort of risk taking and, and party building and, uh, and interesting leveling system to come out of that is, uh, I mean, this is, I, I think it looks like it's on Switch as well. So yeah, yeah. That is, it's one of your bathtub games. Oh, it's a, it's a real kind of like lying on the sofa on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that sounds... He just flows, just flows and he's going... That sounds perfect. And watching the number go up. It's really good. Oh, there is some story as well, but like the barest way, like the characters, the NPCs, they all have little bios, which are kind of quite sweet, you know, about the reasons why they're in the dungeon and that kind of thing. It's pretty spare, but like, but it's there. It's it's enough. Dungeon Encounters. It's a good game. Well, I will buy shortly. I've been uh, I've been playing something else actually. Um, if you would like to talk about Returnal. Yeah. Oh, I was wondering whether you're going to get that. I got it because we should say we should we should announce that um, both Tom and I are are proud new owners of um, PS5s. Yeah, we we both uh, followed the. I required. I, I don't know how you did, Alex. I followed some Twitter accounts that were posting daily about when <laughs> stock was going to be in. I just wanted one before Christmas because I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to get one before like Horizon Forbidden West and stuff came out and uh, Elden Ring in February. Uh, those are the games I'm really, really looking forward to early next year. Uh, but one of the launch titles is Returnal, uh, which is a third-person roguelike shooter from of all developers, Housemark, um, mm. who made uh, Next Machina is probably the game I've played of theirs the most, which is. Uh, Twisted Arcade Shooter, uh, an absolutely really exciting and lavish one, very very flashy. And I think they did Rezo Gun as well. Yeah. Um, a history of making great Twisted yeah, Twisted action games, and here they come in with like this really looks great, like a big budget uh, sci-fi roguelike third-person shooter for the PlayStation Five as a launch title. Um, and you play a, an astronaut who's crashed on a serious alien planet. Uh, and basically, it looks like Geiger, but with enemies from the, the robot, tentacle enemies from the Matrix is pretty much how it all looks. Um, every time you die, you go back to your spaceship and have to uh, wander again from room to room. And the, the generation, the randomized generation of the levels is basically a series of rooms that are shuffled. Uh, and also within each room, uh, any number of combinations of enemies can appear. And sometimes just there could be like a room that's just full of the worst enemies and it's it's awful and you'll set your progress back loads. <laughs> um, and then you could go to the same room on the next run and it'd be completely empty and just have a, a chest with an amazing gun in it or something. So you, you never quite know what you're going to find, even if you get used to the environments. Um, I found there's quite there's enough variety there uh, in the way it kind of lets you through the levels and you eventually kind of pick up little abilities, like a melee ability that gets you into, uh, lets you access more caches, which let you pick up more health and more guns and more upgrades and therefore get further. So that, that even though there's no saving and it's all starting again from the beginning, 
there are little progression mechanics that you pick up, little abilities that help you get shortcuts and stuff like that. Uh, and it's actually the best thing about it is the combat itself. It's uh, incredibly responsive, uh, kind of 60 frames per second with a, a fantastic dodge, um, really interesting weapons with lots of kind of nuance to them um, that can spawn with various just little upgrades that you come to know. Like uh, you might have like a snub-nosed version of a pistol that kind of changes the the spread of bullets uh, and the same can happen with the kind of shotgun equivalent. Uh, and then you uh, get like mini guns and various other archetypes that you unlock as you go through. Um, it's, it's, it's broadly good. The experience of being surrounded by enemies with this fantastic sound design where you can tell when enemies are charging up near you and with the housemark trademark of having, it's a bullet hell game as well. So there are kind of like lasers tracking you everywhere as you're fighting. There are enemies that shoot out like patterns of energy balls that you have to dodge through and dodge around. And the movement systems are agile enough to make this feel really good. When I get hit by a laser beam or an attack, I always feel like it is ultimately my fault, which is a really important thing with these combat systems. Uh, that the worst feeling you could get is like, well, that was just total bullshit. That thing just <laughs> went through a wall and hit me with a splash damage that I could never have seen. Uh, t- to me, the, the combat in this is super consistent and, um, I'm like, oh yeah, I should have just like not even gone into that corridor if, <laughs> with these types of enemies spitting acid. Like, why would I go in there? But do you know, do you have a sense of kind of, um, how you might deal with them or that, that, or, or a faith that you will be able to deal with them in the future? Basically, you get you, you get to learn their attack patterns a lot of the time, uh, and you get to learn that some of them are particularly vulnerable to melee uh, and have quite predictable sort of charge moves and that sort of thing. Mm. So it's it's very like uh, it's very good detailed combat system in terms of the, the enemy behavior is uh, is really kind of varied and interesting to to get around. There is giant bat things that hover, turn red, and then swoop, and then, and once they get to the stage where they they're turning red and they're close enough, they're very very difficult to dodge away from. You're pretty much going to get hit. So you're sort of like keeping an eye out for the, as they go red. So you have to take those ones out first. But even as you're dodging, uh, like these, these, these globs of energy coming from this different type of enemy across the other side of the arena. And then of course, sometimes these massive red ones will spawn or these giant tree dudes who kind of, uh, could shoot these gorgeous homing missile attacks from across the other side of the arena. Um, and all this is happening at once. And in, when you're in the zone in the middle of the chaos and sort of solving the combat problem, it feels fantastic. Um, but I, I really dislike the the rogue like execution of it. Hmm. Uh, and to me, like the, you fight these bosses, and the, the, again, these are good challenges. They're really well designed combat challenges. But the the boss run back is a thing. You know, the, the mm-hmm. Dark Souls thing where you, you die and you have to run through loads and loads of stuff just to get another try at the thing is really prohibitive in this. And I've um, I'm, I'm in the second sort of world area, and I've reached the boss for that. And actually, to be honest, like, it doesn't seem that challenging. I think with another few goes, I'll be able to get to him. But I quit at that point because the run back to get to it is just so arduous and quite arbitrary. Like You can just get some bad luck and not get any good weapons and get go into a few rooms that have just loads and loads of enemies and you can't quite deal with it. Uh, and then it's back to start again. It's like, wow, it's going to take half an hour to get to this thing. <laughs> um, and at that point, it's just like, oh, no. And, and that compare, compared with one uh, combined with one simple thing, and that is the fact it starts you with the handgun every single time. Um, is it hand- like every run or every session? Uh, every run. Right. It's like you lose all your weapons. Um, there's only like one persistent currency that you keep called ether, um, which if you've got enough of it and you need a lot of it, you can unlock checkpoints uh, in certain rooms to to perhaps like make that boss run back easier. But it's a lot of ether that you need to collect to, get, to be able to do that. Um, mm. And so if it sent me back and let me 
have a different gun every now and then or or a different something that let me kind of uh enjoy the mechanics of the game with a little bit more variety i would still be playing it um the fact that there's something particularly depressing about waking up again with this piece of crap pistol every single time it's and then basically just thing, is it? having having to going. spend t- 10 to 15 minutes yeah. like desperately hoping for a drop that isn't that thing and i've got my favorites the other weapons there's one a carbine that's really fun to use um the shotgun's quite fun but i prefer having the, the range it's not like it's not like the handgun's terrible there's some it's, it's kind of interesting that you can also fire for very like consistent accurate shots but you can also feather the button very quickly to just quickly blast stuff if they're close enough nice that's you know good weapon design but it's it feels rubbish like when you go back to it it's like oh this again i was i just had a i just had a minigun and there's another thing where you, you can um uh, a really nice uh, idea where you can slap parasites onto your spacesuit and they kind of get onto your body and they're, they're, you can see them rip, writhing away as you're fighting it's kind of uh, brilliant and disgusting and they give you like one buff and one negative effect and negative effects could be anything from um are you, your special abilities recharge a little bit more slowly or something as simple but as devastating as um falls do damage now which I, I had once and I will never have again because it's surprising how many like big drops are actually built into the game. Uh, so I think purely designed around that particular one debuff because uh, the, the drop into the very first boss arena is this massive fall through a hole. Uh, and if you've got that parasite on you, like, you just take an automatic damage at the start of the boss fight. And it's like, it's, that's pretty devastating unless you've gotten loads and loads of health like uh, through the course of the run. It's like, oh, I, can't, I don't really want that parasite. And there are ways to strip them off and it's a really interesting uh also you could get buffs that say oh the more parasites you have the more powerful you are and that changes your whole run because you're slapping these things all over your face and all over your back and just like trying to get as many as you can um and sort of trying to work around all of the all of the uh the, the negatives but without any of that to lose all of that and lose the core mini and lose the kind of you know the, the the awesome kind of uh weapon proficiency i've built up that's a level that you build by fighting and the higher it gets it basically means that all future weapon drops are higher level so by doing more fights, you get high level weapon drops. Very good. And for all that to just be reset to zero and give you this fucking pistol. <laughs> it's so, so, so bad. I, I can't abide by it. It's, just, it's such a cool, mysterious world with a great combat system. And uh, just please. I, I think I, I probably would have. I think whatever gun it would have been, it would have been boring. But particularly that one is something particularly like. You feel so like pathetic and just like, ah. Uh, it's the sense, the sudden vision of the amount of work you're going to have to do to get back to as much mm. fun as you were having a minute ago. Yeah, it's, it's paralyzing for the game, um, unfortunately. And, what is what is actually causing the game over? Like, because you said that um, you got the, you know, the the boss run thing. So are there lives or something? Yeah, is there? Uh, oh no, you die. Restarts? No, no, you just die, and then you go back to the start. Oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. There's a particular item uh, that you can buy. If you have to be lucky enough for it to appear in a shop or to find it in a chest that gives you lets you resurrect on the spot um but you can't rely on it it's too like you just can't rely on it showing up so basically like the, the moment you die you go back to the very start back to shitty handgun times um and it's too much it's too much of a it's too much of a drop in power level from the moment you have you're at your most power from the previous run to where you, you start again yeah uh which is just uh, unrecoverable for me um do, yeah. do, if they randomized it if if you had um one random weapon maybe of a certain sort of tier would that alleviate it do you think it would help uh i think what would happen is people would just scum it oh, and you would wouldn't you yeah. keep reloading until you get the one that you like mm. i mean even if it was just a 
a set of three basic guns you could choose from right away with like interesting like drawbacks each and one that you preferred a little bit and then perhaps like on a different run he's like oh that didn't work quite so well i'll start with the shotgun instead i don't know something i mean i, I can't really design on the spot but that that's such a feel bad moment and it's something like other roguelikes don't have so much um yeah. which is interesting because i think being such like a, a gear based i don't know because like so, so many roguelikes are really gear based so i don't know what it is about like the combination of that and the fact that in a third-person shooter, the, the gun is so essential to the experience. Like, the, the quality and styling of the gun, like uh, in addition to your traversal and movement mechanics, is just absolutely vital. Whereas uh, hitting something with a sword in a 2D dungeon in a different roguelike is just a different level of, you know, uh, it's nowhere near as essential to the experience as a, a, a weapon in a 3D environment. Yeah. Uh, and that's perhaps like, for me, a fatal flaw for me with Returnal. Uh, I was afraid cool. about some of the reports, like some of the reviews. Sort of, they talked about it being punishingly difficult, you know. And I thought, oh. yeah. So I went for, I, I went for Dark Souls, uh, Demon Souls instead. <laughs> Demon Souls is a much more comfortable type of difficulty. Yeah. Um, possibly because I've played so much. It's a familiar. It's a familiar it's kind familiar of pain, grind. Yeah. <laughs> familiar it's pain. a familiar grind. Did you? Did you? Did you buy that one as well? I did. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. Um, How far, it where are you? I've. Um, I'm, I'm smashing. I, before just before this, I was making another. I was just thought, right, I've got to upgrade. I've got to, I've got to improve my weapons and just deal with this because I'm at the um, the Tower Knight. Oh no, I've not reached the Tower Knight yet. I'm still on the, I'm still in um, Cool Dragon Castle place land. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've beaten the first boss, um, but I'm going over these ramparts and these dragons are kind of dive bombing you and like torching entire ramparts. Really, really cool. It looks amazing. I said, well, uh, yeah, it's just stunning. Like it is gorgeous. Just every stone. Just looking at the light, just shining across flagstones and the mm. level. And it's, it, you know, I, I, I have played Dark Souls on PC, and so therefore, you know, it isn't revelatory mm. being able to play it in sixty frames. But um, huge. But it is just so luxurious feeling. It just, oh god, it's so nice. I still find like so much of those games like funny in quite a slapstick way. In terms of just the really dumb, slow, roly-poly you do if you're wearing too much armor for your character and stuff like that. Which I've always enjoyed about the games. It's great to see it in Demon's Souls. Uh, I'm so kind of... You know, this game is super comforting to me, which is surely not the intended experience. But there's there's a certain pattern to it that is so pacifying. I I just really... It's a nice nice warm cup of tea that's killing me every (laughs) five minutes. Brutal cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. There is some... There is something about the, the additional fidelity, like just so how, how just how beautiful it is that that some of those kind of dark soulsy, demon soulsy sort of weirdnesses, like um, the fact that um, a certain cart like has a handle that's sticking out, and it will <laughs> just you'll just get caught on it, or the way that your bot your character moves around it is just sort of weird it's just mm. just like just dark soulsy and it you know it's something that you just accept and because you get to know the level so well you know as you replay and replay replay um you know you you just know that it's that that's there and you you know to step around it or, or you get caught on you just it's familiar it's that it's a cup of tea and yeah um, it's, it's, but when you yeah. combine it with just how beautiful it looks it does <laughs> feel just that it just it just reminds you of kind of like oh no you're you're not really in this amazing fucking rotting castle and at really you're you're playing a really uh, another dumb game <laughs> yeah swinging it's weird how i'm so used to it that i don't question it anymore but swinging a sword while going around a corner made of stone is just 
a whole thing I've just learned to navigate in that game, like yeah. in terms of the direction you're. It's kind of impressive that there's a level, there's a degree of sort of consistency to the fact your sword does bounce off stuff, yeah. uh, which is which is good. And um, there is a kind of dance to the maneuvering, but it's a kind of nonsense dance <laughs> in the way that if you actually yeah. had a sword, you would just swing it with your right hand around the left hand bend, um, and not have to sort of like shuffle around your character's combos and stuff. <laughs> A really weird way. Uh, I do also like that um, in the initial areas as well, you are actually fighting a lot of human opponents, you know, yeah. just kind of pretty traditional combat carp. Uh, so it's, it's um, I mean, even in Dark Souls, you're fighting undead and pretty high fantasy stuff straight away. Uh, so it feels, uh, obviously, there are massive dragons in Demon's Souls immediately. Uh, but it's really, really kind of, there is something believably gritty about it, actually. Um, which is, is, it feels like less of a horror game to me at the moment, though I'm sure it gets more like that. You know, I, what am I saying? Like the first boss is a kind of like fleshy mass of uh, uh, spears that yeah. seems to be sort of like this mashed up regiment that's become a nightmare in the face of a demon. Yeah. So no, it's still got all that good stuff. And there's a big fat it's... demon at very early. In fact, don't you get that? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, fat, pretty much right away. Big fat demon. With little wings. Adorable. <laughs> a giant, awful cherub. <laughs> but then uh, i did uh take a sort of quick quick tour of some of once once the other levels are open mm. i did quickly take a quick tour i haven't played it i haven't played demon souls since oh probably for a good you know eight years or so i didn't get that far with it back on ps3 back in the day but um i did play it a bit and i do <laughs> i did remember the really dark level on all the 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 uh, sort of, oh, um, I've heard about that. The wooden stilts and things. I went back to there, and the the creatures you're fighting in there, you won't be disappointed, Tom. They are. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Is that also the poison level? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, th- everything's blight town. There's always a blight town. It, it, um, it is. It is blight town. It's proto blight town. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. I love that it sort of unlocks all the different areas, and they, it sounds like they all have a different sort of thing going on um yeah. except, uh, except for one that's just really really hard that's its thing <laughs> they're all hard, hey though. welcome to hard world <laughs> <laughs> it's good I, i'm greatly enjoying my console gaming at the moment hey hey tom uh sorry to all those listeners who want uh ps5 and and are still in the kind of the waiting list for it but um if you noticed, you know the card things that you get for PS5 games, where it kind of gives tips and, and things on. Oh, you get access missions and like skip to them and stuff. That's right. That yeah. kind of thing. You press square on, uh, you know, where, where you're at with um, the thing, and it and it just log it like loads the game, logs you in, takes you straight to your save. Bam! Oh, Whoa! You don't have to go through the splash screens or anything. It's, it's, oh, it's beautiful, and of course, power it of the loads next in like ten seconds. Yeah, oh. everything. Everything like that thing loads instantly, which is huge. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, everyone. Getting excited about 4K 60 <laughs> FPS gaming. Uh, apart from that, though, I've been playing it in 1080, and um, I've been playing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn again. <laughs> uh, I've been playing The Last of Us Part 2 again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to do that next. <laughs> it, it's, it's really, it really looks amazing. Um, yeah. Also, now I know what I'm in for with that game and how grueling it is, I've actually appreciated the storytelling a lot more okay and yeah yeah I, I've, I've really enjoyed it um yeah i've really enjoyed it but yeah i like that we're on the same trajectory oh god of war is another one obviously i might go back to that because i remember playing i've played the whole thing really enjoyed it and then when, went too. back to it after playing 
for a good month on kind of PC games, you know, 60 frames, I went back to it and it was like walking through mm-hmm. sludge. And yeah, thought, yeah. How did I cope with this? So yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice to go to. On PS4. That's really nice. Horizon is still lovely though. Um, I've been really, I was really excited about the blog post about combat and um, it looks like they've, it looks spectacular. Like there's loads of kind of tricks and gadgets you could combo together to, uh, you know, attack people. You don't just hit things anymore with a really strangely sluggish staff attack uh, in that game. Like there's there's loads of oh, ingenuity you could apply to combat situations and stuff that looks really really cool. Yeah, because given given the differences and we're kind of pinballing around here, this is like the tour of yeah. <laughs> what's free on PS5. Um, yeah. uh, what we've played before on PS5. Um, uh, yeah, the the given the, the the depth and nuance of the ranged weapons, like the yeah the, the your your melee is just non-existent that's just like hit fast or hit slow and probably and not hit, hit by the thing first never ever hit fast as well like the the wind up on it it's a really strange attack there's nothing quite like it in you know the 3d games but for otherwise like um terms of like movement and shooting and stuff it's, it's relatively conventional and so it's like you know the controls about drawing back your bow and zooming in and all of that stuff to shoot and then you've got this attack when you get close with the staff where you press it the quick attack then about like several seconds later <laughs> it will connect in a apparently like a place far away from your character that you never could guess it's like, <laughs> it's like so if i hit it now in two seconds i will hit that dinosaur about seven feet away it's so strange it's such, it looks like they've kind of worked on that a lot so i'm glad about that because that's one of the sort of sloppier aspects of the game i felt like yeah it's really cool though you can yeah. sort of like uh you, you, you use a grappling hook and then just spring upwards to climb really fast and then there's a kind of zelda style um you know how in Zelda you can uh, often pull out a leaf to float down. Oh. She's got a version of that, and then she could drop onto the back of a dinosaur and instantly hack it and start running around. It's that sort of stuff that is like, oh, that's that's the sandbox. Oh. <laughs> that looks gorgeous as well. Very excited. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that was that was one of the banner things I was hoping for. Oh man, some good gaming ahead. Absolutely, there is, uh, and I think it mostly kicks up in kicks off in February now. Apart from the Matrix experience, of course, which uh, potential game of the year. Uh, it's going to change also, all the gaming, so unfortunately you're not going to be interested in any of that shit That's true. We're going to have to change the podcast, aren't we? We're going to have to relearn games from scratch because Neo, Neo... Maybe it's going to here. say, what if this game was the real world? <laughs> and they will say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. Tell me more. Oh look, there's a weird mirror. There's a uh, we're on the eve of uh, the Halo uh, Infinite campaign being released. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited to try that. It looks like it's had some amazing write-ups and looks fantastic. Uh, and I've really enjoyed the multiplayer. So that, that could be a that could be a, a treat. Something we'll discuss a lot more soon. Yeah. So uh, just to just to give quick update on the plans for the next. Uh, actually, next week is going to be the game of the year pod. I think. Hopefully, if we could get everyone together, yeah, that'd be really good. I think we've, we, 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 I think we have got everyone together, and also I think we, we, uh, we, we moved it. We were going to actually do it this week, but um, uh, for some a couple of reasons, but also because it would mean that we got a chance to play uh, Halo before making judgments on all the other games. Uh, yeah, we're going to do it next week, so that's good. I would, I'm looking forward to playing that as well. And I did play the, I did play the a multiplayer, and it did feel so much like coming home. Mm. Oh, that's good <laughs> very excited well i think that's all we have time for c'est soir. um 
you can hang out with us in our community on our Discord channel. You can find a link to our Discord uh, uh, with an invite on it at our website, which is crateandcrowbar.com. If you have a, um, oh no, well, yes, we've gone on about this quite a few times. Uh, we are still cogitating on the nature of what we should make the questions for, you know, from questions bit that we've traditionally had at the end of the pod. Um, uh, if you do have ideas for what you would like to do, you know, we, we, we want to do some kind of um, uh, listener uh, based, you know, interaction-y stuff um, in the pod. If you've got ideas for how that could be, uh, send it, send them to us at questions at Creighton Crowbar. Or you can just send anything to us at Creighton questions at Creighton Crowbar. Um, you can also listen to the show on YouTube, uh, where you'll also find our various spin-off product projects. That's uh, uh, youtube.com slash Creighton Crowbar. The Creighton Crowbar is kindly funded by our Patreon backers. If you'd like to know more about supporting the podcast and its spin-offs, visit patreon.com slash crate and crowbar and i think that's all the housekeeping uh i have been alex wiltshire and i've been tom senior thanks for listening listening, everybody. everybody excuse me one moment the dog (laughs) <laughs> who's been sleeping behind me, farting gently throughout our talk, has decided to get excited and he needs to go out of the room. So I, I will let that happen and also allow let some fresh air in because I'm I'm dying. Suffering for your art for the podcast.